Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about heavy-duty parts that keeps trucks and trailers on the road longer while lowering costs per month. You've heard me say it before, trucking is the backbone of society, and yet we have a driver shortage and getting people to join the industry and to stay in the industry continues to be an uphill battle. So we're going to try to tackle this today, and my guest today is Bruce Outridge. He's the host of the Lead Pedal Podcast for Truck Drivers. Bruce is a media entrepreneur with businesses ranging from illustration to radio, podcasting, and television. And I have been so excited about having him on the podcast. So, Bruce, welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. So glad that you're here. Uh, Thanks for having me, Jamie. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. So let's get into it. Uh, What are the main problems the average truck driver is experiencing on a daily basis in 2022? (laughs) Do we start at the convoy at one end and work your way? No, we won't. You know, it's amazing because uh, I've been in this industry for 40 years and a lot of them are the same issues we were having. 40 years ago. I think for a lot of it is people just want to be treated uh, properly, just like regular human beings, you know? So can I go to the washroom? It's amazing that we're bringing in some kind of law and legislation to let truck drivers go to the washroom. I think that's amazing right there. Uh, Washroom, you know, a a decent meal, a good night's sleep, a safe place to park. These are all things that in 1979... (laughs) 1980, we were wanting the same thing, and they're still they're still on the table today. And you kind of got to wonder what what's going on. That's from the driver's side. And if you look at the maintenance side, wheel offs, brake adjustments are still the same problems that we've had for 30 and 40 years. So what what are we doing about them? I'm not sure what the answer is. Those are still the same issues I'm hearing from drivers today. One of the things that motivates people is when they have a, a full understanding of economic impact. So. What are these kinds of issues actually costing drivers and the people that are running the fleets that employ the drivers? From a fleet perspective, when you have places where they won't allow them to use a washroom or they're going to wait, the driver's going to wait five hours to unload, the driver doesn't want to go back there, right? Because the driver's losing money. The driver is not treated like a person. So they want to go somewhere else. From a dispatch fleet operation, you get 20% of your fleet that says, I'm not going to this customer, even if they're a good paying customer what do you do? Like you now have this whole, oh, Joe only goes here and Fred only goes here and Wilma will only go here. And it turns into a nightmare for dispatch and something else. So getting it so that people can go kind of anywhere, we have to reduce the waiting time. Drivers should not be taking this on. And I know a lot of companies are changing the way they pay to accommodate that. But a driver should not be having to suck up four hours of waiting time because the shipper, receiver, somebody else is not on, is not on the ball. Um, you know, our window times are two hours for, you know, especially in auto parts, they're using us as, as mobile warehouses and you can't, you know, that's not the drivers. That's not what we're meant to do. We're meant to be there on time. 
get there on time and deliver your freight and get us out of there. A good company, you want to be out of there in an hour. So, you know, now this is where drivers are starting to go. You've got the kind of freight where I'm going to be losing money. I'm starting to look elsewhere, especially with fuel prices going up. You know, if you're an owner operator, holy smokes at five bucks a gallon. You know, <laughs> what are you going to do with this, right? Like, how do you make money? Hopefully they're getting this back through a surcharge, but uh, not always, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I remember seeing the social media post where this person who is not from the industry was kind of laughing at the uh, assertion that uh, the truck driver was working 14 hours a day. And it's like, you don't know what you're talking about, because once you have all that wait time added in there, it can be 14 hour days. And I know many truck drivers that that's what they do six days a week sometimes. So, um, you know, these this is a lot of hours. And if we continue to lose people, we've got 80,000 open positions in North America right now. I think maybe that's actually just the U.S. and then Canada on top of that. Uh, They're saying that that could go as high as 160,000 open positions for drivers by 2030. So this is a big problem. We got to take care of the drivers. We need more people to come into the industry because once you're in the industry and you get taken care of, it's actually a great place to work. It is. It is. And I, I mean, look at myself, you know, I've been in this industry. I drove for 25 years and I'm now not driving anymore, but I'm behind the mic. Still love this industry, love the people. And you can have a great life at this industry, but we've got older drivers who, uh, you know, might be leaving the industry. They're a little disgruntled right now because of all the waiting time and the fuel prices and all those things we just talked about. They're saying, don't get in this industry. You can't make money. I hear that almost daily. Yet you see somebody who's doing very well and, and, you know, exceptional at it. it. You know, what is it? Is it they're on a different route or is it a different company or is it maybe just a different mindset? I don't really know, but we need to get uh, attraction to these younger drivers. And I know right now there's a big issue in the States, a uh, big discussion going on about, do we start letting 18 year olds drive trucks? And I'm going to weigh in on that right now and say, yes, because I was 18 years old when I started driving a truck. And I think, uh, I know there's a lot of people who think that's going to be more dangerous on the road. I think with proper training, I'd rather have a 20 year old that has had some training and is, is watched as far as inspections and maybe has a safety person and all of that watching them once in a while than someone who's 20 and never, you know, got their license and never had to take a safety course after that and doesn't understand trucks. I prefer the other one on the road. They're probably going to be a safer driver. And let's face it. I mean, by the time you're 21, in many ways, you've made choices that have set the course of your life. And by 21, you're, you've been, you know, gobbled up by another industry and you may never then consider the trucking industry again. And I, I hear that all the time on the parts and maintenance side as well. And it's like, we got to get people to see that this is a great career opportunity. I mean, in Canada, if you get a four-year bachelor's, the average salary of someone with a four-year bachelor's in Canada is $48,000 a year. You can make that after a couple years on the parts and repair side. So I mean, this is an opportunity for many people to have mobility in their wage. I think also of women joining the industry. This is a great place for, for women to be able to make really above average income and and erase the disparity between men and women, if you will, by doing the same jobs and getting paid the same way. So I see I see opportunity, but but it's again, how do we get this information into the hands of the people that need it? And it comes down to us having these kinds of conversations. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, in a couple of years, you can make the same money, because that's what happened to me. Uh, when I started my career early on, you know, not early on, I mean, you know, when you're learning, you're, you're starting out at 10 bucks, but it wasn't too, too far in when I was making $50,000 a year. And I don't, I don't know how much $50,000 a year, but I remember that was what my dad made. And I said, if I make $50,000 a year, I've got to be, I've got to be an adult, I guess, if you want to call it that. 
and it was true in my twenties. I'm, you know, we're, we're, we're making $50,000 a year going up and down the road. And my friends are trying to pay for school and working wherever they're working to try and make ends meet. The downfall for me was later on in life because I didn't, I I'm, I'm a high school dropout. So I left at 17 and got into trucking at 18. Uh, so I was making good money until I hit my thirties and I started looking at management positions and other positions outside of the seat and realized that I may not have those qualifications. I went back to school when I was 40 to get some of those qualifications. But what if we took those 18 year olds or the young person, put them in the seat and also kind of like when you're in the army, you know, like you're, you're, you're doing your job in the army, but you're also kind of getting your university credits. And I'm not sure how all that works, but I know there's kind of a system in there for that where you come out and you actually have your degree and you also have already, what if we did that in trucking? Hey, you know what? Get in when you're, when you're 20 years old, you know what? Drive. And as you're doing it, we're going to have you take a course a year. And when you come out of this at the age of 25, 26, you're going to have a degree in whatever you know, maybe just a starting degree, but you'll have your university degree or a college degree. You will also have made $50,000 every year. And now you can start looking at other options outside of the seat. And I think that's what I haven't seen in this industry. We haven't seen the career path. We tell everybody, get in the seats, get in the seats, get in the seats, go to any recruiting program, get in the seats. Come on, drive for us. For how long? 50 years, 60? Like, I don't want to drive. I got in when I, and I love trucking. And for me, I thought 25 years was enough. For some reason, I said, 45 years, I want to get out of the seat. I don't know why. There was no other big plan other than just 45 seemed like an older number. When you're 20, 45 is old. Now that I'm 50, 58, it's not that old. Uh, but, but, you know, at that time, I thought that was old and that was enough for me. So what are we showing? Look, look, you and I are both still in the industry after the seat and all of that kind of stuff. So it, there are, is a way, but you have to kind of get there first. And the seat was a great foundation. So. I say let's yeah. bring them on early. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. And and that succession planning is so important. I see a real problem on the part side of the business um, because that's, of course, I, I've never been a driver, but I started as uh, working in a remand shop and, you know, started on the floor sandblasting parts. And 10 years later, I had done every job in the company. I had been the operations manager and national sales account manager. How did I get those positions? Well, it's because the management of that company was very proactive with the youth. And anybody who showed any interest at all, they sent them to school. They gave them the opportunities to learn. They mentored them. And I'm very, very fortunate that I found a company that was like that. Most companies aren't. And so I actually now, at this point in my career, I'm working with parts companies who have 70-year-old owners and their sons went to university and are now in like, let's say Silicon Valley or something, or they're doctors or lawyers or they're educators. They want nothing to do with the trucking industry. And here dad's going, well, this is grandpa's company that was started 70 years ago. He handed it to me and I've got no one to give it to. And it's like, how, how did we get there? Right. We got there because we didn't start planning for this 25 years ago. Yeah. And you know, there's so many options. I mean, name another industry where you can start out in the seat or start out in the warehouse or wherever it is you're starting parts like you, you did and have the option of going up the management chain. If that's where you want to go, going into your own business, becoming an owner operator or becoming a, a separate garage or parts dealer, whatever it is you want to do. There's not a lot of industries that offer that, you know, you, you, you might go to, let's say you're working at McDonald's, you might go up the chain of McDonald's, but it's, 
a long ways before you could start your own franchise. Like there's a big, you know, dollar bill payment in the middle there that you have to save up. I don't know what it is for a million dollar <laughs> franchise, but you know, for trucking, you can get in fairly easily, you know, for, you know, 50 grand, you can, you can get into this industry and get going if that's your choice. And so there's lots of, and it's, and that's just a, a little bit of them, you know, there's safety and recruiting and all the rest of the options that are available. So there's tons of options for somebody that, they can work in this industry. And the nice thing about this industry, which I keep telling people, there's always work. I've never been out of work in trucking. I've never had to go, you know, work somewhere else and go, geez, I wonder if, sure, there's slow time. Sure, there's, uh, you know, odd things that happen. But for the most part, if you've got a decent record and you're willing to go to work and you present yourself properly, you will not be out of a job. Those are not the ones that are out of a job, right? So those are, we need to, we need to attract people. I need to, we need to show that somehow. And I don't know how well I've been trying. I know I'm trying on my podcast and you, you're trying on your podcast. We need more podcasts. I don't know. <laughs> to try more for sure. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't have a heavy duty part number and need to look up a part? Go to parts.diesellaptops.com or download the app on Apple or Android to create your free account. Looking for high quality fuel injection for heavy duty applications? Having one supplier for fuel injection allows you to better serve customers by providing them with a complete line, which increases your sales and profitability. Learn more at ambacinternational.com slash aftermarket. We're back from our break. And before the break, we were talking about what truck drivers need to be successful in 2022. By extension, what does the industry need? Bruce, I'm so glad to have you here on the show. And I'd like to talk a little bit about your podcast, The Lead Pedal podcast for truck drivers. What motivated you to launch this show? I was going to launch a video channel. And then I thought, you know, drivers are shouldn't be watching video. Back when I launched this, uh, I don't know if you remember, probably uh, eight, nine years ago, video training was becoming very hot. You know, everybody said, hey, we can't get our drivers into one room. So let's uh, set them up on video and they can watch videos and, and do their safety training. That, that was a big thing going on in the industry at that time and still is in, in some places. And I was thinking, uh, you know, I had uh, I had started my art career I, when I left my when I left a supervisor position in 2006. I started my art business up, and that so that was what I was kind of concentrating. In 2009, I go, well, I got you know 25 years of knowledge in the industry. What can I do? And so I started doing some training. I you know work with some of the schools and do, and I still do some of that. Um, but I thought, you know, I got I've got a message to say. I'm like you. I want to I want to tell people how great this industry is. Uh, I've always been really passionate about careers and working hard and, you know, being the best you can be. And I've been an owner operator. I like business. So I, I said, you know, that's where I focused ours business and careers. And I got into it and I just, uh, I started it. I didn't know what I was doing. Trust me. Great. I started as a daily show. That's the way that started. And I actually had to cut it back and then re revamp again. Uh, just thought I, I didn't know anything about podcasting or broadcasting but just learned it. And I thought, I just love this. And I love the, the fact that you didn't have to worry about video. And here we are 750 episodes later, we're still in the seat doing and expanding like crazy. So it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. What is the promise of your show? Like you're, you're trying to attract drivers. What do they get out of listening to your show? Hopefully some tips to, to grow their career, but uh, that that's the main focus, right? Like we want you to have a better career. That's why we've named it the, the it's pronounced lead like you've been pronouncing it but it's spelt lead everybody and that's kind of a play on words right we kind of say that uh you're going to uh grow in your career faster by listening to the information that we we give you as if you had to listen to it yourself so if you think of a driver brand new doesn't know anything is trying to find the information from everybody 
it's going to take you a long time. Whereas if you can go to one place and at least they have some, you know, something for you, you could say, I tried this trip and we try to do it through entertainment, you know, entertain people. We try to have interesting guests. Uh, it's focused on business and careers, but we talk about technology and safety and all those other things that people uh, talk about, but we're strong with carriers and that kind of thing. And I just want people to know we have a good career. Like, you know, just, just work, work your best. Uh, you know, I talk a lot about the top 20% of a fleet and, um, you know, that's where the opportunities are. And I'm not saying, you know, be a brown noser and take the boss out to dinner and try to cheat your way to the top, working hard, keeping your truck clean, being on time, uh, you know, being willing to work, being willing to be a team player. These are all the things that are any truck driver can do. And you will see your career because that's what dispatch and everybody wants. They want a team player and somebody who's on time and taking care of the truck and all that kind of stuff. You get a person like that. Trust me, the opportunities will follow you. And they did many times. I've worked for great companies over the year, both private and for hire carriers. Uh, and I've absolutely loved it. And I started in the moving industry and I still, I think that's one of the greatest industries to start too. It's uh, so there's a lot, I've had a great career. I'm trying to show that to other people and get them involved and hopefully they'll have a great career and have a lot of work for the rest of their life. Yeah. You're absolutely right about, about those characteristics that are needed to, to succeed in our industry. As you were describing that, I have a friend, uh, he's now retired, he's a retired driver, but when he was in his 70s, the uh, carrier that he worked for that did grocery delivery was still bringing him out. Why? Because he kept the truck clean. He didn't uh, damage the truck by by driving it too hard. He he was on time. He was friendly and, and helpful with the customers. And so every chance they got, even though he was retired, they would phone him and say, hey, can you cover the shift? Can you cover a shift? Half the time he was covering a shift for a 20 something who didn't show up for work that day. <laughs> so it's like, you know, those, those things are time tested. They, they will always be valuable characteristics of any employee and employers are looking for that. So especially if you're in the trucking industry, those are the things you need to master. Yeah. And I think that's what we've stopped showing them, right? I don't know about in the parts industry, but in the trucking part, you, you always got the oldest truck. You're, you're the new driver. You, you know, I would say to people, Walk to the very back fence of that yard. Look at the truck. The, the only, if unless it's not plated, that is your truck. Are you willing to drive that? Are you willing to, to take that down the road? And then I would take that same truck and I would clean it up to the best of my ability. I'm not afraid to polish a truck. It takes you three hours to wash a tractor trailer. I can tell you that. <laughs> Time and tested. But you know what happened is the company would keep moving you up. Oh, Bruce, you know what? You've taken such good care of this truck. Here's another newer truck. And you would do that through all of the companies. And, you know, I drove all the big Peterbilts and everything. And it's because I kept them clean to the point where the company was taking you to the dealership and say, Bruce, here's your next truck with the dealer with the leather seats and all that. Now, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to show I can see a progression in my career as I was a driver. I was getting better equipment, better runs, better opportunities, whatever it may be, sometimes better companies. Sometimes I had to make that leap and go to a different company. But I could see that progression. And none of it is to do with the money. The miles always follow. I never had a problem getting paid in the industry. Always, the miles always follow. Look at the way we're doing it today. You go to most big fleets who can hire a new driver. All the trucks are the same. How do I know I'm moving up? Trucks are usually four years old or newer. So I'm not worried about, you know, having to prove myself to a better truck now. You know, so we've taken away some of those markers that people were able to build their career on to where now everybody's the same. And it's very hard to stand out of a fleet of 1500 trucks. If every truck is the same, you've got lots of time to get there. And, and the boss doesn't see your truck. Like, I mean, where, where's the markers now? What, you know, 
were we just waiting for the next pay increase? I don't know why it is in parts. You probably had something similar. You may not have realized it, but you probably had something similar, right? Well, I know that, um, yeah, I mean, we all, as, as young parts people, we were stuck on the counter or we're in the back warehouse or, or wherever we were. And we always wanted to move up and maybe get to uh, have our own, not even our own office. Could we just share an office with someone else? I remember the first time that I got to share an office with someone else. I was so excited to not have to stand in that cold warehouse at the counter at the back of the building. So no, there's definitely the, there's so many similarities uh, and, and parallels between the different uh, industry, like it's one industry, trucking industry, but inside of it, there's all of these different ways to play a role, parts, repair, drivers. So, you know, warehousing, all of that. And, and there's so many parallels. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to see. And that is what we need to show people because you can go so many different ways. You and I have decided to go into media, but I know friends who are doing very well, they've gone to insurance and a lot of the, we all started in the seat. You know, you only, I tell people, you only have to go in the seat for a couple of years understand the industry that you're about to get into. And if you don't like driving, no one's telling you to drive, just get it there for a couple of years, get your license so you can be authentic and people understand that you understand what a truck is and then move to wherever you want to be. Go to operations. I got a friend now, he he used to drive with us at the, at the company. He uh, went into management. Now he owns a Chrome shop. Like, I mean, and, and you, it fits. You don't go, oh, geez, how come you got a Chrome shop if you've never driven a truck? You go, this guy used to keep his trucks immaculate. I couldn't, take another person and say, you're a better fit for a Chrome shop than the guy who's running it because I know the way he used to keep his trucks. And that was long before he thought of Chrome shops or management or anything. So that's the kind of thing I think we need to show people today. And I don't know how we do it. The, you know, the young people, some, some they, don't, they don't seem to, I don't know if they don't, I, I know a lot of ambitious young people. So I'm always afraid to say that, but somehow we've got to get some people more ambitious and into the industry and, and maybe showing them that there's an opportunity there is one way to do that. Yeah, it's easy for us to forget that when we were teenagers, there was lots of unambitious teenagers back then as well. Uh, but what I what I see is I just see that there are the other industries, especially tech, um, some of the other industries like that have just done a better job of recruiting and of showing people the the value of being in their industry. But here's the thing, young people, anyone who's younger than me, who's uh, just starting out their life, I want you to do what I did when I was your age which is don't go to the industry where everybody you know is flocking to. Because guess what? There's not going to be very many uh, jobs and there's going to be lots of competition. Find the industry where they're just asking and begging for people to come because now there's so much opportunity and you're going to find that you're going to accelerate your career way faster than if you're fighting for every scrap in an industry that has too much supply on on human capital. And the industry we have, and, I, and we've, we, it's a lovely industry, but there's so many things that can be improved in our industry, even though it's a good industry. So you don't have to be the super, super shining, shining star to really make a difference in our industry. Like you come in and you're, if you're on time, keep care, care of your equipment, you know, present yourself in a presentable way, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. That'll take you so far in our industry. If you think of finance, you know, the investment, if you ever seen these, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> like there's no way I'm working in there. You know, tech is the same way. Those are sexy industries. You make a lot of money, but you know what? You also see them usually two years later, there's somebody who's about to jump off a cliff you know, or something like that, or tech goes away really fast, you know, so, but, but, you know, transportation is stable. We should be, uh, we should be showcasing uh, you know, the leaders of, uh, you know, some of these companies like Rosedale and Vice, they're the ones challenger. They started with one truck. They built it up to 
1500. They've been in business forever. They've got good names in the industry. We need to showcase those. How did those guys do it? You know, because, you know, it's, it, it's easy to, everybody thinks they want to be a Mark Zuckerberg, but you know what? You're not going to be, <laughs> you know, they, he just got lucky with Facebook, right? So, you know, you're not always going to be, everybody wants to be that because it's big, rich money and you own an island, but that's not the real world for, for most of us, right? So I think getting into something that you really enjoy doing, whether it be driving or parts or fixing, uh, you know, mechanics, those kind of things. And then, and then really like, how can you really take that to the next level and showcase that and make it your own? Uh, I've always had a good, I've got a friend, we talk about personal branding. I've always had a good name in this industry. Uh, you can go to pro, I, some of the carriers that I used to drive for. I now go back and do safety training or whatever for. So I've had a good name. Yeah, I've made my mistakes. Trust me, there's been all kinds of mistakes along the way, things that I, I wish I could do over. But for the most part, I was on time. I kept my truck clean. I presented myself well. Uh, the same five things keep going over and over and over again. <laughs> You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin. We've been speaking with Bruce Outridge, the host of the Lead Pedal Podcast for truck drivers. To listen to the podcast, head over to theleadpedalpodcast.com. Links are in the show notes. Bruce, thank you so much for being on the Heavy Duty Parts Report. And thank you for helping me challenge the status quo in the trucking industry. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. We didn't talk parts, though. Aren't we supposed to? We'll do that on my show. (laughs) Thanks very much, Jamie. I've absolutely loved it. Appreciate it. HDA Truck Pride is the heart of the Independent Parts and Service Channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the independent service channel take care of your commercial equipment.